I'm Lynn Fisher, as always. We have Kurt Elder uh, here. We're pre-recording, so he's not actually on the board. but uh, he's, And it's a nice break this yeah, time. Yeah, so he's here to, to help out. And we have a special uh, Wynn Yermstead. Yeah. I, I can never get it right. Yeah, that's I, right. I, okay, and Wynn is with the uh, uh, Urban Development Department here with the City of Lincoln. Right. And... Uh, uh, Wynn has is, is, uh, been with that department a long time. Wynn, give us, give us some background. Give us your, go way, way, way back and bring us up to speed and how long you've been with the Urban Development Department. All right. I've been here for, I've been with the city for 22, just 22 years in December. It was 22 years. I started out um, always with Urban Development, started out as a uh, community development program specialist working on projects, primarily neighborhood projects back then, and that was largely due to the funding source. We had federal dollars then um, to do more neighborhood projects. Uh, about seven years later, I became the community development manager, which I've been ever since. And over that time, and largely due to the funding sources, our, our, our mission has changed somewhat in that instead of doing federally funded neighborhood-based projects, now we do much more many more projects using tax increment financing as a funding source and more commercial than and when I said neighborhood it was more residential neighborhood sure. of course commercial is certainly a part of neighborhoods but back in in those days it was more working with the residential piece of it and now it's become much more with the commercial on the commercial okay. end of it um, in community develop the community development division we work primarily in older areas of the city, excluding downtown. We have a division in urban development that does um, prim or exclusively downtown. My division, we work outside of downtown. Um, certainly there's some um, relationships there and some overlapping at some, some sure. points in some projects, but primarily we work outside of downtown. Are you originally from Lincoln? No, I'm originally from Minnesota. Oh, okay. Actually. Mm -hmm. Very good. So, and you moved uh, here just to, for the job with Lincoln? Actually, well, I'm from Minnesota, worked in Minnesota as a planner for a couple of years. Then I was a planner in Iowa for a couple of years. And it was actually my husband's job that brought us to Lincoln. And I was fortunate. Not a lot of planning jobs available. So I was fortunate that I was able to, uh, to, to find something with the city. Yeah. Now... Urban development, uh, that's the name of the department that you work for. Right. So you kind of gave us a little bit of, uh, of a taste there of what it is that you're working on. But just kind of step back and give us the big picture, if you would, please, uh, for our listeners that really aren't familiar with urban development in the city of Lincoln. What What is sure. the, the mission for that department? Well, it's and it, actually people are kind of surprised sometimes to hear of the different things that we do, the, the very public part of it, that public not only in terms of process, but in terms of what people hear about, uh, are the redevelopment projects, and particularly downtown, you know, some of the bigger projects downtown. But other things that we do in urban development that people um, may not be as aware of are parking. Um, the, um, city parking is a division of urban development. Um, the American Job Center is a, is a division of urban development. Um, there's a workforce investment board that is one division of our department. So there's actually, it's a broader broader perspective of things that we're involved in than what people hear. We also have a real estate and housing division um, that does a lot of work. A real estate division does all of the real estate transactions for the entire city of Lincoln, capital C city, the city government. So any right-of-way purchase, anytime there's road work done or sewer work and, and right-of-way needs to be obtained, that's what those folks do. 
and certainly a big part of what we do in terms of federal funding are, are our housing programs. And those are um, income-based, you have to income qualify, but generally loans or no interest loans to people to help renovate their houses. So there's a lot of things going on there. There are a lot of things going on. And so... It is usually a busy day most days. Yeah. Well, and for our listeners who don't remember, Kurt's also in that uh, that staff or on the team. And you do a lot of um, GIS mapping and lots of... Lost that. Research and analysis. Sorry, data guy. I'm a data guy. (laughs) Jack of all trades some days. Sure. Well, when you mentioned uh, TIF... Mm-hmm. Tax increment financing is becoming uh, a source of funding that you're relying a lot on um, because of, of shortages or, or a change in the historical sources that you've had. The community block grant monies are not there as they used to be. Mm-hmm. So TIF money, tell us if you can kind of just start from the beginning at the base for folks who don't know about it and aren't familiar with it. Can you explain how TIF works, what it is? and kind of go through the steps. Sure, and I, I guess I should, I probably misspoke a little bit when I said it's a function of funding that we're doing more TIF projects. It's actually a function of where the community is going and what the needs are, and as well as funding. I mean, it, the funding piece of it is really more about what we don't do as much of, and that would be the neighborhood-based projects that, that were funded with community development block because, grant funds. Because you have less federal funding to do some of these projects, this is a tool to fill in for what, what maybe was, that money was used for in the past. Well, is that not fair? That's that's probably not exactly. Or, the or case. is TIF make making projects uh, possible that maybe weren't possible before? That's that's a more accurate statement. Okay. Yes, and the way TIF works is that, well, and it's all it's all spelled out in state statutes. There's the community development law in the um, Nebraska state statutes that that spells out and regulates how TIF is used. And I would add that just about every state has this. Um, it's set up a little bit differently in every state. It's not necessarily the same. Just a little clarifying for that. There are 50 states in one jurisdiction, D.C. being that jur- jurisdiction. All states in D.C. have TIF except for Arizona. Huh. Oh, interesting. If you, just, if you just join us here on Our Street, we're speaking with uh, Wynn Yermstedt. And she is, uh, she's with Urban Development, and we're talking about uh, TIF in particular, but we're going to talk about a lot of other, other things. But So, so from the, starting again from the kind of backing up here on sure. TIF, uh, it, it's a state law right. that provides for the ability for folks to do exactly what? Um, the, TIF is a funding mechanism, but to get to it, the first thing that has to be done is a... a blight designation. Um, The statutes don't require that a blight study be done, blight and substandard determination, but in Lincoln we always do that. Um, We want to be sure I can drive out, look at something, and go, oh, hey, that looks pretty blighted, <laughs> blighted to me. But we want something more objective than that. And so there, we always start with a blight study. Mm-hmm. Um, the blight study then goes to the Lincoln-Lancaster County Planning Commission, and they either agree or disagree with it. And then it goes to city council. And it's a city council that actually declares an area to be blighted in substandard. So that's the first step. Um, The second step then is to do a redevelopment plan. And what the plan is a guide for work that will be done in that blighted area. Because something is in a redevelopment plan doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. 
usually does, but not necessarily. A developer isn't committed at that point. Where the developer becomes committed is the next step then, which is a redevelopment agreement. Now, redevelopment agreement is very specific to an individual project. And that says, here's what the developer is going to do. Here's what the city will do. Um, here's how it's going to be funded and financed. Um, there's drawings in there that tell us what the project is going to be like and so forth. And very critical to that is how will the TIF be used. And the TIF is, is calculated based on, and I don't always do a very good job of explaining this, but um, you start out with a, with a value of the property. Well, current market, current market, current assessed value. Yes, current assessed value. Um, then let's say you come in and you do a new project that is going to increase the value of that property by two million dollars. Just throwing yeah. a number out. So you maybe have have a, it's a dilapidated area, dilapidated site, blighted site. You demolish what's there, assuming there's something there, and then you you invest. You put in a, a property that now is up to $2 million in value. Well, the taxes that you pay on that, the owner pays, obviously are going to go up. Because if you're paying property taxes on a, on a property, let's say it's worth 20000 and now all of a sudden you have a $2 million, $2 million dollar project or value, that that's a big difference in what you're going to pay in property taxes. Well, that difference between what it was before the project and what it is after the project, that's the increment in tax sure. increment financing. And not all of that, but a portion of that can then be used to help do the new project. Now, when I say or do the new project, you know, I, I didn't say construct the new project because there are Again, spelled out in state statutes, there's very specific things that you can use TIF for. New construction is not one of them. You can't use it. And it's basically all, this is all about improving blight for the community. So who's essentially paying for it though, is that property owner. So when people say, oh, well, TIF is using my property dollars or property tax dollars. No, it's not. It's using the dollars that are generated at that specific location. Um, Generally, there's a bond or at some point where we calculate, and a TIF district is, is in effect for up to 15 years. And so we look at that increment, how much it's going to generate over the 15 years. And then there's generally a bond, which is essentially a loan. Because you're not going to get that money all up front. Obviously, right, the taxes right. are paid annually yep. over 15 years. Right. So you're borrowing money in the form of a bond that, that's equivalent, essentially, to the 15 years worth of increment tax? Exactly. Yep. And then every year, as those taxes come in, it's used to pay back the bond. So in a nutshell, that's how it works. There, there are very specific things that TIF can be used for, um, property acquisitions, site preparation, which could be demolition, um, asbestos removal. There's any environmental remediation that needs to be done on site. And then anything in the public right away. So let's say there's a new business that's going in, and they need a turn lane in the um, in the in the street. Um, sidewalks are certainly something that we've done. Any landscaping, um, electrical, sewer, water, those types of things are things that TIF can be used for. And the idea is that, but for the use of TIF, and that is actually sure. a legal term that's in the state right. statutes, but for the use of TIF, this project would not happen as designed. That doesn't mean that nothing would happen, but it means this this yeah. particular project wouldn't occur in this manner, but for the use of TIF. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to finish that uh, thought because that's a really interesting question. 
So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Our Street. I'm still Lynn Fisher, and we still have Kurt Elder here in the studio, and we're talking with uh, Wynn Hermstedt, uh, who's with the Urban Development Department for the city. We're talking about not only her department in general, but specifically we're, we're talking about TIF or tax increment financing, which is a, which is a tool that has mm-hmm. been used uh, quite extensively. I had read some articles that there were some complaints from different groups about maybe a project would have happened anyway mm-hmm. and that, and that uh, the TIF wasn't necessary. Can you address maybe just in general, not specific sure. projects, but just in general, uh, what the guidelines are, what your understanding is of, of where someone might think, why are we using TIF when that would have been done anyway? You bet. Um, it's but for the use of TIF, the project would not be done in this manner. So let's say a commercial structure, for example, or a commercial redevelopment project without the use of TIF perhaps would have would have done a project, but maybe it's a metal building or it's a very plain Jane building with no energy or, or little energy efficiency, for example, or without much landscaping or um, without new sidewalks. So it, it's not that nothing would have happened, but it was... The quality. The quality, yes, the quality of it. And also, even though uh, because there is public funding involved, we want to make sure that these projects are done correctly and that they're going to last, that they're durable. We are eliminating blight, and we want to make sure that what is replacing it isn't going to fall into disrepair and end up blighted in a you know in a whatever amount of time again so um again it's not that but for the use of tiff the project wouldn't happen at all it's that it wouldn't happen as we want it to happen and a lot of what we've done recently is um we're more concerned about the the quality of the materials that are being used the quality of the the building materials um energy efficiency is very important to us and us meaning the city that these are energy efficient buildings um we don't require that buildings be lead certified but we do require that they be lead like um the lead certification process is i understand um can be can be quite costly so we don't require that energy certification but we want to know and we require verification if tiff is used for that that it does meet those energy efficiency standards you had mentioned that uh tiff cannot be used for new construction or the construction of a new new building right. but it could be used for other aspects different different uh, parts of that the the facade the sidewalks maybe enhanced landscaping that sort of thing so in that sense if some if some developer wants to build a new project utilize tiff the the amount of increased property taxes on the new construction part of that goes directly to property taxes directly i would assume there's no it's you're not you're not using all of or, or are you using all of the incremental tax increase uh, property tax increases for the whole project for the TIF. No, good point. Um, when let's say that the property value before the project is fifty thousand dollars, right? And of that fifty thousand dollars, the amount of taxes you pay on that go to several different taxing jurisdictions. Right. The city is one of the smaller ones. So for every dollar of property tax that you pay, it's like fifteen percent. It's about fourteen, fifteen percent that actually goes to the city. So some of that goes to the largest share of it goes to LPS, um, the county, the RTSD, the you know right. all the various taxing NRD, jurisdictions. All that, yep. Yes, get a piece of that. So let's say we did a project where the what we call the base year, which is the the year the project 
that's actually technically the year before the project starts, right. but we'll say, let's say the base year is, is 2013. Okay. So you're paying a value for your $50,000 project. For the next 15 years, all of the taxing jurisdictions will continue to get that amount of tax, that property tax. On the 50000 On the 50000 The difference... Uh, between the 50 and the 2 million million or whatever. And not all of that, but a portion of that is what goes back into the TIFs. It's about 2% roughly. So, and that's, part of that is the city share of what you would be paying for your property taxes. All right, so just to be clear, I want to make sure I understand. So you build a project, take the, uh, say a piece of ground, 50,000, you make it 2 million. The total value of the project is 2 million now, or the value Okay. The assessed value would be two million. The the uh, property taxes that would be paid on the two million versus the fifty, which is a bunch, mm-hmm. that is all going toward TIF or part of it's going towards the the TIF? part of it, not all of it, but a portion of it. And, and we're talking, um, so the project, let's say it's a it's a, a million and a half dollar building that's new and half a million dollars in stuff that would be t- TIF-related, like sidewalks, landscape, facade, is the is just that then half a million dollar uh, valuation and the property tax on that uh, uh, contributing to the TIF project part of it? Or is the million and a half of the new building construction, is that also involved in in the, the deferral of the property taxes away from going directly back to the schools and the... In the county, is, am I getting too complex? I, 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 I lost you a little yeah, bit I, there. I think. I, I think what he's trying to get at is that <clears throat> is that is what was stated. And if I'm wrong, just we'll just correct myself again. We have a, we have fifty thousand dollars that's paying a tax, and that's going to go to to the different jurisdictions right. across fifteen years. No one gets less than they okay. got before, right? And so we're good on that page. So then your question is: is that what is the increment being generated from? Well, yeah. If you've got a two million dollar total project, the the property taxes on the the 1.95 million because you had 50,000 already being taxed mm-hmm. that that's the total pot from which the the tax I increment think I, see, I think you see here all right so so cuz you said that tiff can't be used for new construction right but, but you can't you can't spend the tiff money on new construction right but the tiff is generated from the value yes. of the new construction yes yes, yes yeah okay. i'm sorry i i think i misunderstood okay. what you were asking before no. but yes Sorry to make it so confusing. No, that's well, it is confusing. Yeah, so so the the project itself then does generate and produce the the TIF money exactly by virtue of being a new construction, right? But you just can't use TIF money to build a new building, per se, just a new building. Correct, and I'll tell you that oftentimes, not in all cases, but it generally, the the te- the tax increment financing the TIF pays roughly ten to anywhere from eight to twelve percent. Of the project cost so it's still the private developer that is paying the vast majority of the cost of a project and the the city share is really pretty minimal when you look at the total total investment and the other consideration too is that if you know but for the involvement of the city and the tax increment financing oftentimes that existing property and we keep using the example of 50,000 uh, a value of 50,000 is likely if it's a, a blighted area and if it's a deteriorated building with deferred maintenance or whatever, the value is likely to go down or or stay the same. And so, in 15 years, when we're done with the TIF project, the the 
the new value that goes back into all the taxing jurisdictions is a lot higher than it would have been had we done nothing sure. and that $50,000 project deteriorated more or if nothing happened there. So, speaking, ahead, of par- speaking of projects, before we get too far, just so we can keep it fresh in our mind, uh, in the last seven years, there have been 44 projects. So, In the last seven, what, what's the biggest TIF project Lincoln has done? Would that be the North 27th Street corridor? Oh. Yeah, what's... Well, I know that's one we've talked a lot about. Yeah, the single, or yes, the probably the two singest, singest, <laughs> the two largest single projects would be either a surety or innovation campus. Um, right. But those are are more individual projects. Now we've also had districts and that North 27th Street is the one and it just expired but that one that one probably generated the most over time um, but again it was a district. It was yeah. a big area as so, compared to right. one or two lots or a smaller right. area and I think Curtis probably looked at that more than I have. It may have more. Gosh I sure have but you know um so TIF can be yeah. TIF can be individual uh, piece of a lot, or it can be a whole area of the city like North Twenty Seven. We have done that in the past. Yes, we did. Um, the district TIFs were North Twenty Seventh Street, University Place, Havelock, um, South Street, and all of those now have have expired. But that doesn't mean we can't continue to do projects there. What it means is that this larger district, and in the case of North 27th Street, for example, that went all the way from N Street up to where the, about where the viaduct starts, where Fairfield. You know, Fairfield. Right. Um, and then out a few blocks into the neighborhoods on either side. So that was a big one. Um, so that size one, I'm, oh, that's, I lost my turn. I thought there for a moment, but just because that entire area is no longer generating TIF, there's still blighted properties in there. So individual property owners or developers could come in and still do smaller projects on a case-by-case basis. Because the authorization to be blighted is there. Right. And there's still a redevelopment plan that then would have to be amended, as we always do. If there's a new project, the plan has to be amended to identify the project area. You mentioned the uh, Innovation Campus. And tell us how that is unique. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize... That, and we don't need to get into the details. I know we've already bored people with enough <laughs> details today, but but there are property taxes being paid in Innovation Campus. Is that correct? Yes. Um, part of it is Innovation Campus is a public-private partnership, and there is a development corporation that actually operates Innovation Campus on behalf of the, the Board of Regents or the university. There is some property within buildings that are... Um, condominium regimes where there is no property tax paid because it is university used property but there's also private within within a building for example right. and they do pay property taxes so there is tip some, being some generated. property taxes yes and, and eventually will be full-blown tax uh, property taxes generated uh, once the tiff is paid off and all on, the, on certain portions on certain portions of yes it, sure. yes the, the portions that aren't continued to be owned and used by the university now, like the Assurity Project, that was part of the Antelope Valley uh, right. redevelopment mm-hmm. area. And so that uh, that was a 15-year bond. Mm-hmm. And, I believe so. I believe it was 15 okay. years, yeah. So, so it's been up for, what, two years? A year and a half? Anyway. Oh, it's been longer than that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess. 
three, three or four. four. Yeah, well, I was going to go five. Well, no, no, five. Five is when I just started with the city when they, yeah. I, I started like a month before they uh, it, um, went to city council. Cause that's been like five any, years. Any feedback uh, from, from, for example, these large entities that are collecting the property taxes, the county and, and LPS, and of course the city's involved too. Um, does a, does a school board, is this a positive for them? Do they see this as a positive as opposed to a negative? I mean, eventually they get more property taxes right. in the long run, but in the short run, does this create a burden of any kind for additional classroom pressures that are, uh, that are there, that are here now when a project is built, especially if there's any residential component, mm-hmm. are there more children going to school and the taxes aren't being paid in the, in the beginning of this time period? And then, does that cause any any difficulty or burdens for the school, that, school that's district? A, that's a good question. Um, no. The short answer is no. But part of the reason for that is that we have agreed, I don't think there's an actual formal policy, but there is an unwritten policy and agreement with LPS that we don't do large new housing particularly on the edge of the city. We had looked at that one time, and that did generate some concern to LPS because we were looking at a lot of new housing where there hadn't been any before, the potential for a lot of new students that they don't currently right. have. That are quite a distance from existing schools. And right. They may and have to build a new school. Potentially. Yeah. And no corresponding property tax increase to or a collection sure. not increase but collection to help pay for that now where lps generally has not been concerned is when we are redeveloping in older parts of the city um a couple of housing projects that we've been involved with with tiff one was antelope creek village which was the neighbor works project there we, there was new housing going in but it was replacing what right. was already there so it's not creating a new demand it's just in improving what's already there um, Creekside Village, a 10th and military is an apartment complex that in that particular location, there wasn't housing before, but it's not enough into the degree and family sized housing that LPS felt it would put a burden on them. So it is something that we're very cognizant of that we don't create um, a burden for for LPS by by doing projects that could create additional costs for them that then don't have the corresponding property tax to help assist them. What new projects are in the works right now? We're going to wrap up here in just a couple of minutes, but just briefly tell us what new TIF projects are occurring right now. Well, the one of the newest ones that I've been, that's outside of downtown is 23rd and O Street. That was just approved by city council, the plan amendment. And we're working with developers now on the redevelopment agreement. 23rd and O is where the office max was. Mm-hmm. Um, some people right. might be familiar with the old office. We're going back further. It was a, a Save Mart at one time, or a grocery store at mm-hmm. one time. Um, and they're looking, developers are looking at renovating, doing a substantial renovation of that building. And then it's going to be a medical facility, um, a, a comprehensive medical facility, um, the uh, Lutheran Family Services and the People's Health Center will be operating out of that facility. So it's it's going to provide some very needed services for the for the city. Um, we're working on a redevelopment agreement now with the developers, and they hope to actually begin construction soon and have the tenants in it by next December by this t- December of 2015. So that's one of the newer ones um, outside of downtown. There's actually a couple more in the works that I 
not at liberty to discuss okay. just yet. That's okay. We'll, um, we'll read about it in the paper. Yes, you will. All right. Well, Wynn Ermstedt, thanks you very much for coming in. We really appreciate it with Urban Development. And uh, come back another time. We'll talk more about, about what you're doing. I'll do that. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And appreciate thanks, you having me. Thanks to our listeners for joining us again on Our Street. Come back next week. <laughs>